The Connected Families podcast is made possible by listeners like us. My name is Julia Rex, and I am 10 years old. My name is Eric, and I'm 7 years old. And we also have a puppy named Sky. And I'm Lydia Rex. My husband Kyle and I live in Iowa with our kids, where I homeschool the kids and work for Connected Families as a parent coach, and Kyle as a worship leader at our church. Our family enjoys connecting with each other, reading books out loud, and going on bike rides, and snuggling. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed today's program. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Stacey Bellward, and we are starting a new year with a few new things, such as that pre-roll, which is the cute intro that you just heard from people in our community. Well, the pre-roll may be different. But our purpose for this podcast is the same, to guide you to receive God's grace and truth, and then to equip you to pass that grace and truth on to your children. We're so grateful that you are a part of the Connected Families community. Today, I have with me Jim and Lynn Jackson. Hi, Lynn. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm here too. Jim, welcome. We're We're doing well. How are you? We're good. We we all live in Minnesota. We have a good snowstorm going on today. And and happy new year. Happy new year. Here we go. Time to lose 15 pounds, eat better. I got to get that done, you know, before spring. Oh, I thought you maybe meant before February or something. <laughs> it's a new year and I don't know. I'm not so big on all the new year's resolutions, but you. you know, as a team, we all here at Connected Families have so much joy in our hearts for the vision, for the strategy. We're coming into a new year. We have lots and lots of things cooking, but we also have some sadness in our hearts too. We lost a special, special person in our community. Becky Wood was one of our parent coaches, and she went home to be with Jesus in the last few weeks before this recording. And so we wanted to dedicate this first recording of 2023 to Becky Wood. She died of cancer. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. She was a mother and a grandmother. And so I wonder if Jim and Lynn, I wonder if you could speak for a few minutes just about Becky and just how she jumped into our hearts and how she just embodied the framework in such a special way. In a strange way, it's almost timely that we're talking about Becky as we sort of talk through the framework again, because Becky was a person who lived the concepts in this framework. They weren't ideas for her. They were who she was even before she saw the framework. That's that's what attracted her to connected families in the first place. And when she came as a grandma, very involved in her church, her kids had all grown and gone. She just exuded the joy of the Lord and always wise and always graceful and always compassionate. Would show up in our clubhouse rooms and pray full-heartedly for people, even toward the end of her life when the prayer rooms were active. And she was there praying for young moms and their struggles with the littles in their lives and and with tears and with full presence and just full attention to the needs of these young moms. Yeah, she was just such a sweet, sincere, gentle person that 
was an example to everyone around her. Yeah. She saw uh, the good in people. She saw the good in people. She saw the good in situations. Always the silver lining, always the gift gone awry. Breathed life into whatever was good in, in various challenges and struggles. And what a privilege it was to have her be a part of this community so actively for the last couple of years. Even now, the legacy of Becky Wood, we know will live on. She inspired many of the coaches in training and certainly many of us on the staff to just be fully attentive, trusting the Lord with all our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding in all our ways, acknowledging him and letting him direct our paths. And this is a, yeah. a woman, a family that traveled the world doing ministry. Well, mm-hmm. husband worked on different projects and they've lived as missionaries and supports to missionaries. We're just happy to dedicate an episode about the framework to Becky. She was precious to us. We were all blessed by her life for sure. You know, she was part of the coaching program. And the coaching program is just so integral to who we are right now at Connected Families. And I mentioned that the team is excited about what's coming up in 2023. And one of the things that that happened with that coaching program this past year was that we had the coaches gathering. Becky was able to come to Minnesota where we had that gathering and we met her in person. A lot of our network, we meet over Zoom in this world where it's not face-to-face, but we were able to meet her. And so, yeah, that was just one of the really precious things that happened in 2022 was that coaches gathering. There were a few other things that happened too. Jim and Lynn, what was another one? Well, we finished recording the Sensitive Intense Kids online course. In the can, as they say. In the can. Wasn't sure I'd ever see the day when I started working on it years ago. And everyone's going to hear about that real soon. We're launching it in just a few weeks. And then we had another big celebration, Jim. Big celebration. Connected Family celebrated its 20th year of existence. <laughs> yes. And, and I got to look that night at that celebration event over a sea of people in the room that some have been with us since the beginning. Some had just been introduced and were coming with a friend to the celebration to see what this thing is all about. And to imagine that if this is where God took us in the last 20 years, where will God take us in the next 20 years has never been a more sort of palpable question for me than when I looked out over that room and imagined if this room to get to where it got has multiplied you know, the community by probably 30 times, <laughs> what does 30 times multiplication looks like over the next 20 years? And yeah. my goodness, and the coaches, these parent coaches in that community are right in the middle of that because they're taking the message of connected families, the message of God's grace and truth for parents, for families, into places that will never go, in networks that will never be part of with passion for ministry all their own. It's just such an exciting thing to see that actually go from being an idea just a a couple of three years ago to being firmly and with momentum in motion. That was just said beautifully because all of those things that happened last year are really just the impetus for the momentum that's happening and going to happen here in 2023. And Jim and I, we're going to talk a little bit about that in uh, just a little bit later in our podcast, but the content that we want to bring to everyone today in this podcast is around the framework Everyone knows everything we do is around the framework, but as a team, we've created this resource that's going to help you as parents 
to teach the framework to your kids. And so I just want to ask some general questions to you, Jim and Lynn, and we're going to have a conversation around that PDF, which is going to be in the show notes. But let's just talk about how you've seen parents teach their kids the framework in a way that really becomes their worldview, their way, their perspective of seeing the world. The older I get, the more that I live with this thing we call the connected families framework, the more I, I want to emphasize every time we use that language, that it's really just a way of describing, leaning into God's grace, God's truth, God purposes for me, uh, the truth about who I am in Christ. And, and then out of that place of a strong foundation in my relationship with God and clear definition about who I am and whose I am, I move into relationships with people. I connect with them in ways they know their love no matter what. And I, I believe that every human is built by God in his image, capable of doing the great things God prepared them to do as part of his kingdom work and plan of redemption. And then when things get off, yeah, we correct and we do it, but we do it through a lens of going back to just remember what's true. We're strong in the Lord. We're safe in the Lord. We're loved because of the work of Jesus. And we're capable, called, built to do good things. Like, okay, now it's time to correct. Let's remember that these things are true. And then let's address the issue. So mm -hmm. your question, Stacey, is what have we seen parents do to, to teach this to their children? The first answer is they've embraced this way of thinking about parenting. They've they've made this kind of the lens that keeps them accountable to living by God's word, by God's truth, in close, connected, graceful relationship with him. And then parents have just started talking about these principles. And like the Thetfords have really talked about slow, low, and listen as part of their foundation. And they've done do-overs and modeled the difference between the two mm -hmm. so that kids are learning, oh, this is what it looks like when you parent by, you know, you're in quick instincts. And then this is what it looks like when you parent from the framework yeah. and they mm -hmm. stop calm and yeah. then they connect and they do that. And with the, the framework in view of that. Yeah. I'm thinking of a dad who, you know, I don't think was thinking, how do I teach this framework to my children? He was thinking, how does this apply to me and how, what's going on with me? And I'm in a big conflict with my kids and I don't want to act the way that I've been acting. And now I see my kids being in that same kind of conflict with each other. And, and he said, I just realized I want to be a safe and loving dad. <laughs> And I want my kids to understand that. So he took a knee and he got down right in the middle of their fight. And he said, hey, you two, this is really hard, isn't it? We're going to have a safe and loving family around here. Does that sound good to you? And the kids are like, yeah, it sounds good to us about now. Okay, well, how, how do you think we could go about that together? Do you need my help? Or do you think you can figure that out by yourselves a little bit? And, you know, pretty soon they're starting to learn sort of the essence of these things we teach in the bottom part of the framework. You're safe with me. You're loved no matter what. He didn't take out a curriculum and he didn't have a goal for the day to teach this because he was learning it, growing in it, and wanting to help his kids understand his growth, he took action. You know, that said, we've prepared a, a resource that we do want to make available, like you said, Stacy. And there's some ideas for how you might be more intentional about that. We'll guide you through a, a way of, of just showing the framework to the kids and, you know, telling them this is sort of a thing that you've learned about that's helped you feel closer to God and, and have a stronger sense of purpose for your life. And I want to share these ideas with you kids. Here, it's a picture. Look at it quick. I'm going to take it away and and now tell me what the words were on it you know and play a little trivia game with it or whatever and then for the next four sessions you might do them a day at a time or might do them um over the course of weeks or you know however you want to do it there's a session that kind of correlates yeah. with each of the principles of the framework 
Okay. So the resource that you worked on, I know you worked on it, Jim, Lynn, you prepared it a while ago. So both of you have worked on it, but there's, it's got four different, say, weeks. Is that what you're saying that families can work on? It's a five session mini curriculum. Okay. And it introduces the framework for session one, and it sort of talks about some foundational ideas for, for session two. You know, we do some stuff with water and with sand and with bricks and pouring stuff out, and let's see what happens. This little structure we made, and we talk about that. What, what does the Bible have to say about building on a rock? What are some things we could do as a family to grow a stronger foundation for our lives? I essentially just sort of told you the first session. <laughs> there's a little more in there so than that. And then there's a session just like that for Connect and for coach and for correct. Okay. So parents can gather their kids around and really walk through this, this worksheet that provides some teaching and some scripture and an activity and even some words for you to say as you teach these principles with your kids. I like that. But it starts with modeling how we as parents are learning to use the framework in ourselves. I can remember, as you were saying that, I can remember when my kids were little and I was first, I think, I don't know if I was even working at Connected Families, but I was learning the framework and I was learning to ask myself that question, what's going on in me? And I remember having a little squirmish with one of my kids over what they were going to wear. And I wanted them to be cute, my little girls to be cute. And I remember that little squirmish and I remember thinking, what's going on in me? That was the question. And then I knew I could do a do-over because I was coming on too strong. Because when I asked that question, what's going on in me? I realized this is all about me wanting my kids to look cute in a public setting. I asked myself what was going on in me. And this is what I just realized about why I was acting the way I was acting. And I told them that. That's the modeling, right? That's going to teach them that this is now mm, our perspective, our filter. This is how the, the, the framework infiltrates our daily life. You hit the nail on the head with that, you know, and we talk in the in the course about modeling out loud. So you don't just sort of formulate that in your own mind, but you talk out loud about why you're doing what you do as a parent. And that's a really, really critical piece. It's like, sometimes we think as parents, we have to retreat to the corner, come up with a better response, and then just come out and have another try at it. But if we don't explain our process, our kids miss that valuable learning. And so we can talk about, I just realized I just barged in. I didn't connect first. And I want to do that with the framework in the background of that and kids understanding. Well, what what parents tell us also about that is that when they do that with their children to help sort of reinforce some of the learning for their children, it helps the parents stay more accountable to the ideas Mm -hmm. as well. You know, we know that this is true from, from personal experience. When I tell Lynn the kind of husband I want to be today, (laughs) and then I'm not that kind of husband, she can look at me and wonder, huh, is that what you meant when you said that thing about the husband that you want to be today? And I can say, nope, sorry, I I better do a do-over. Well, you know, same thing is true with our kids. And then I have a heightened awareness of that dynamic. And it's like, oh, Lord, in fact, this actually just happened. You know, I was, I acted badly again. And I remember, and I haven't told you this yet, but, you know, just last night going, okay, Lord, you're working on me. I'm dissatisfied with that. She's dissatisfied with that because you're at work in us. We're not satisfied with whatever status quo we're at right now. We want to keep pressing on toward the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus in our lives. And, 
this is this is a stepping stone to that. And and I articulate that out loud with God. Now I just told Lynn that. Now mm-hmm. I'll be more accountable to that notion of attending to what God's doing in me. And if I'm not, I've got a partner <laughs> who will help mm-hmm. me. That's such important, good pre-work, you know, between you and God. And I don't know if you were laying in bed, wait, you know, going to sleep. That's sometimes when I do some of that thinking with God. I, I can hear parents are like, I'm in the thick of it, in the heat of the moment all the time, I feel like all day long. And I remember when there were times that I told the girls, I'm asking myself and I'm asking God what was going on in me, what's going on in me. And I don't know yet. I don't know why I'm so upset right That's now. I don't exactly know, but I'm taking a moment, I'm stepping back and I'm saying all that out loud. I think sometimes it is hard to swim through the weeds of what is actually going on emotionally and all the ways. Yeah, but that wins you a new kind of influence to maybe at some point with your kids, then be intentional about, you know, seeing them upset. And it's like, would it help you to take a step back and say a quick prayer and kind of think about what you need and then tell me with words that are easier to hear? You want to give that a whirl, hon? And that's that's teaching this idea of foundation without a script, without a lesson plan, but out of just the intentionality of letting what we're thinking about guide what we say and yeah. how we explain what's going on with us, and then inviting our kids into the very same sorts of learning for themselves. Right. And we can ask questions like, so, God, you, you seem really intense right now. Do you have some ideas about what's going on in you? You know, whatever it is, if we can figure it out, it's always helpful insight, you know, with a lighthearted tone instead of what's going on with you right now. Anyway, what is this all about? You know, there's just such a huge difference in the messages of that. So modeling is certainly that lead step over and over again. And then our kids don't feel shame about being invited into the same process. Right. We're, we're on the foundational level and there's sort of the Two sides of that I see is the work I've done in myself, and then it's to be safe with my kids. And so that question that you just suggested to ask, I can remember asking, I just really want to know what's going on in you right now. Like, like I care, or do you know what's going on in you right now? And that's all foundational level. And this is just good work. Okay, let's move on to connect. And the question that I'd like to ask, maybe Lynn, you could start us off with this one is what are ways that either you've coached or you've seen families set their kids up to connect? Well, certainly just figuring out when does this adversarial pair of kids (laughs) connect well, and Uh then investing time and even money into those kind of activities, you know, buying them something special that they can play together. This is only a play together toy. And we'll set it up when it's, when you want to just have individual time, you've got other toys for that. And then you get Mm -hmm. down on the floor and you help them play and you, you facilitate the sharing. And then you talk about how much fun we all had together. So something like that, or you set them up as a team to serve someone else. And then you notice the joy on their faces, or you take a picture and you send it to grandma. Whenever there's really connective moments, you can document it, talk about it, talk about the emotions and really add value to that. For example, with our own kids, there was two that conflicted a lot. So we said, all right, we're going to take you to your favorite restaurant, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, we're going to give you a piece of paper and we'll pay for it. I'll sit in the parking lot and watch because they were in elementary school. And they went in and wrote out 
five reasons why they should get along that were silly and five reasons that were serious. And they (laughs) had fun fun writing down the ideas. And so it's just really intentional about strengthening that connection and helping them Mm -hmm. to value it. Yeah. And the little resource that we prepared, just a, just a little sneak preview into one of the ideas around connect is there's a little activity in there that just sets you up to sort of facilitate your kids complimenting one another, saying kind things to one another, doing Mm -hmm. kind things for one another, and then celebrating that just in a small way as a part of teaching the value of connection with, with Mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. And again, you can show them the framework and you can say, that's what this is about or not. That's really not the important thing here. The important thing here is that you're grounding your kids in this idea that Closeness in relationships matters. Celebrating other people mm-hmm. is important. Understanding other people is important, which is why there's also a listening activity that will guide you through it in that piece that's included in the show notes. Those sorts of things are, are stuff that we often take for granted as parents and don't take the time to intentionally, proactively just work with our kids to help them practice these things and then learn to more and more value these things. And then pretty soon we know, as we hear parents talk about this, those things that we practiced or those things that I did with my child to connect, I see them doing with somebody else. And the reason connection is so important, even as it relates to the gospel, is that that the core message of connection is you're loved no matter what. Like if we can exemplify that for the people in our lives, if we can teach our children to exemplify that for the people in their lives, that's an open door to an understanding in those relationships for what the gospel of God's love and reconciliation are all about. Mm-hmm. So we really worked in in our family to celebrate reconnection after conflict. And that was a huge piece. Wanted to wipe the shame away once it had happened. And we wanted to just get back to connection. And we had a phrase, we're going to drive a stake in the ground around connection. When it all falls apart, that's where we're going to regroup. And you know, as our kids got older, as teenagers, if they had a bruja with each other, whoever felt more responsible, took the other one out for hot chocolate at a coffee shop. So they embrace that value of really celebrating the reconnection, repairing well, and just making sure they kept their relationships fresh mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. heartfelt connection. Yeah. And Lynn, would you ever ask, like, if you didn't see it happening, how would you nudge your kids um, in the in the moments towards reconciliation Without the anxiety of of control, but you saw that maybe they were going to just not move in that direction. Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, but that sounds like it's more in the correct level. I wouldn't want to. I suppose, yeah. Well, but I'm sure, Stacey, because you do this so well, that's a representation of a question listeners are asking right now. So I think that to just, you know, quickly say about that, I mean, we did, we watch for that. We invite other parents to watch for that. We see other parents watch for that. What's the status of these kids' relationship? What level of involvement is needed from me, if any, to help them kind of start to move toward reconciliation? And it usually, or at least pretty often, starts with the one who's been offended against coming to us and saying, you know, so-and-so did such and such and they won't apologize. And, uh, you know, I'm mad. And that's the second time this week and whatever. It's like, oh, how can I support you in reconnecting with your sibling? So I'm not going Mm -hmm. after the offender. I'm empowering Mm -hmm. the victim to use that language. And I don't want to use it lightly or loosely. It's not that severe necessarily, but in a manner speaking, it is. And yeah, how can we build this value and move toward? And, you know, and then we can make observations as parents. You two, you two seem a little upset with each other. 
what do you want me to know about that? They mm-hmm. look at each other. They look at me. Maybe they don't want me to know anything about it. And if they don't, then it's, I mean, ultimately it's their relationship. I can't force it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that's so hard for parents is that when our kids don't want to be in connection with each other, we force it in ways that it might work in the moment, sort of. And I don't know what I mean by work exactly, but we, you know, we make it through, but then they kind of almost come to resent that. So mm-hmm. we have to be careful about forcing our kids to have a, a relationship with each other that they're not ready for or don't want just yet. But, you know, it's little, it's little invitations, it's little observations, it's little reflections, again, living out loud, just little by mm-hmm. little basically holding up a mirror to say, here's what I see between you you two. Is that what you want? Do you need yep. it? It seems stuck. Could I help you with that? How could you get back to a place of connection and joy? Yep. And holding that up as the goal, yep. not how could you f- solve this problem or, you know, make mm-hmm. sure to get f- 50% yeah. of what you want. So your sibling gets 50% of what, you know, that's, that's not the issue. How do you get yeah. back to a place of connection and joy? Even openness to that question starts with another question, which is how are you two feeling about each other right now? And is that how you want to feel about each other? Looks different than that to me, but well, she, you know, did it in. So why would I? Oh, there is something. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and then again, just softly, gently, I, I can't push them toward this. What could you do to make things right? Question until I've help them identify the feelings inside the natural impact that they're having about the fact that things aren't right in this relationship. Most human beings that I know have a longing to be in good relationship with the people closest to them in life, unless there's so much resentment that they don't feel safe or that they constantly feel unheard or unlistened to, or, you know, invalidated all those things. And then, you know, that's a different, that's a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, And we dive deep into this, like in Disciplinate Connects and our many free resources that we have on our website. And, um, and I just love even the questions that we all just threw out because sometimes when us parents don't know what to do, the best thing to do is to ask, just ask a question, a very truly lighthearted, curious question. And see how the kids respond. We need to go to a break, Jim and Lynn. This mm-hmm. has been a rich conversation. It's, it's fun to talk about the framework and just how it permeates our lives and our thinking, which is then how we behave in the world. So it's been good. All right, let's go to a break. Hi, Stacy. I get to be on a commercial today. I'm so excited. But yeah, I just wanted to take a break here in the midst of this podcast, interrupt it, and just share with our community a few of the things that we're looking forward to in 2023. Yeah, I love it. I think maybe the biggest one that's going to come the quickest is sensitive and intense kids. Yeah, that that content that Lynn put in the can is going to come out. <laughs> it is. We're going to we're going to offer it as widely and freely as we possibly can, and we'll make it affordable, and we'll make it accessible, and we'll do we'll interact with it a little bit. And it, and it's our hope that a community of parents have a felt need about this. Uh, uh, we're pretty sure they do because we've heard for a long mm-hmm. time that they they're looking forward to this content. And then you know a community of people who are like-minded, like-hearted can grow around caring for these sensitive and intense children in a very powerful way. Yeah. We're looking forward to that whole momentum launch and the momentum of that course. That's right. It will be moderated by a parent coach and there will be community around that. And we're excited about the community that is going to grow and the efforts that we're going to put towards growing our community this coming year. Another area is affiliates. We have put some staff time towards that. So for those people who have quote unquote platform and they would like to join us as an affiliate, uh, you're welcome to do that. What's another way that people can join our community? 
Well, Stacy, we're, we're launching a partnership program in 2023 as well, which is really a, an effort that we've made in response to a, you know, a number of different organizations and entities, primarily churches, but not exclusively, who say, man, we want this way of thinking about parenting, this approach, this grace-filled, truth-filled, biblically-informed approach to parenting. We want this to kind of be our thing. We want it to be our go-to. How do we do that? And so we're, we're going to be positioning a website and some people energy toward taking care of relationships in these partnerships to offer folks anything from, you know, online course and small group leader training to, you know, possibly live workshops, conducted either by Connected Families staff or by Connected Families parent coaches or partnerships thereof. And, and then ultimately, maybe even some churches would want to have a parent coach trained right right there at their church. Yeah, just a, a ton of stuff that'll be launching after the Sensitive Intense course launches. Yeah. That's our next big launch. I think people think sometimes that we're a lot more staff than we are. So we have to take it quarter by quarter and we work these things. Lots of ways that people can join our community. A really big one is to just share this podcast. We have, last year we hit over a million listens. We have almost 45,000 listens every month. So if you just share the podcast, that's really huge and helpful and gets the word out. More people hear about the transformational work that comes from the framework. So we're excited, aren't we, Jim? We're very excited. One of my greatest delights, and and Lynn too, along with me as co-founders, is to see how a a community of people has embraced, and we say this often, they've embraced this way of thinking in such a way that, you know, they're they're better equipped to do ministry relative to these ideas and to raise families relative to these ideas than Lynn and I were when our kids were their age. And they're owning it and they're having, they're passionate about it. You know, I'm kind of inclined to say, look down the street for the connected family families in your neighborhood coming up soon. (laughs) And maybe somebody listening will want to lead a small group in their neighborhood. Wouldn't that be great? That's awesome. Yeah, jump in this year. We want to get to know you in a deeper way. All right. Well, we're here back after the break. Jim and Lynn and I have been talking about the framework and to teach the framework to your kids. We've talked about just modeling it, embracing it for yourself, and then modeling it with your kids out loud. And then specifics of this handout, this worksheet that is going to be linked in the show notes and how it is just a resource for you that you can print it off, gather your kids around. Sounds like you need to gather a little sand and sticks, huh, Jim? <laughs> so you can do a few of the activities. Oh, and it. post-it notes and a pitcher of water. Bottles and- or balloons. <laughs> I don't know. And All the Bible. activities that are in it. <laughs> yeah. Bring your Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, we covered the first two layers of the framework. Let's do the last two and start with coach in this second half of the, of the podcast today. How have you seen parents model coaching and teach their kids this coaching level of the framework? A lot of parents have really helped kids to step into kids, kids of faith, step into Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. And just teaching kids that verse teaches them a lot about the coach principle, that we are blessed to be a blessing. God has good instances of being a blessing already prepared for you. And that 
is such a protective factor in kids. And we realized this. I mean, we were always keen on teaching our kids that. Then there was a resource that came out in 2002 that showed the research behind that and tying that to a sense of faith and and God's purposes. And this is a totally secular resource. And this is what they said as the culmination of tons of research about kids. They said, religious practice also correlates to higher levels of reported personal happiness, higher levels of hope and optimism, and a stronger sense that one's life has purpose and meaning. So this was headed by Dartmouth, all sorts of other universities. Dartmouth, Yale, Stanford, Harvard. Yep. Came to this conclusion. So helping kids to walk in that identity. And it's been really fun as I've worked through the course with parents of sensitive and intense kids and learn from them how they, the creative ways that they have taught this, whether it's just talking about that scripture multiple times, even in a day or a song that captures it or whatever, and then helping their kids refer back to that when things go awry. Wait, who are you? You're beloved of God and you are called and capable and building that identity in especially to these sensitive, intense kids that might have more an identity of, I'm bad, I'm the one that's always in trouble, the world is against me, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really a vital piece of this whole framework. Yeah, and I think a vision to be able to do that allows us then to, to even deepen it. So all of us are born into sin, right? And we're inclined to do sinful things, but we do sinful things using the abilities God gave us. <laughs> and our kids are no exception to that. And so when we can when we can identify the ability God gave my child, even though they're using that ability in a sinful manner right now, and be n- not as a discipline thing, but proactive. Like for example, you know, my my I have a child that blurts out a lot when they're not supposed to and doesn't listen well and 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 interrupts a lot. And I was that I was that child. <laughs> still still am to some degree, as I was reminded yesterday again a couple of times. <laughs> Love you, honey. <laughs> so what is that? What is the talent that God gave me to be able to do that? What is it talent that God gives our children that that positions them? Not every child is like that. And it's it's not because this one's a worse sinner than that one. It's because this one has a penchant, a, a sort of a, a wiring to be external processor and to be a quick thinker, maybe even in, intensely be able to solve problems right in the spur of the moment. That's the talent that's there. If we just punish it when it comes out through the filter of their sin or through the DNA really of their sin, then we just might breathe life into that problem. But if we pull them off over here to the side and say, you know what I've noticed about you? Like when you were misbehaving the other day that way, what I've noticed about you is that you think really fast on your feet and that you have really strong and passionate ideas and that you have, you even have a sense of, of, you know, it might be justice or a sense of, of determination to fix things. And that's, I think God built you that way. And I think God built you to use those talents in honoring ways, ways that honor him. And I'm wondering, like, you're really good at using your words. What would be a way we could set you up to use your words around here a little bit more, you know, and then start to brainstorm with a child? How do we, how do we breathe life into that talent? In an honoring way. In an honoring way. Mm-hmm. So that the child has more satisfaction out of following the path of God's purposes in their life and less satisfaction from using those talents in selfish, sinful ways. And those are the 
talents used in selfish, sinful ways. But I just love that verse that you brought up, Lynn, Ephesians 2.10 in the ESV. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we've mentioned it a few times, but it's as a parent, it's our perspective first that then we act out of. And so with that perspective to understand that my child is God's amazing handiwork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he put my child together. And so these giftings that are coming out, I don't know whatever adjectives you just said, Jim, like squiggly, you know, I can shape them and I can coach them and I can see the good in them and set my child up for success. I love this layer of the framework because it is kind of like detective work. And so I can remember thinking of, you know, what are the ways I can set my child up to experience those good works that God has prepared? And then how do I talk about that? I remember my kids, you know, they would work in the nursery at church, which I had to organize and set up and talk with the church leaders and get there early and, you know, do the things to be able to coach my kids in this way. But what was the conversation when they came out of the nursery and they had the hard child and it was really difficult. And they were like, I do not want to do that again. That's where this, you know, the ideas of the framework really come to play as I talk about it with them. That was really hard. What good came from it? How did God use you in that hour and a half? How were you blessing those kids? How did you bless the parents by being there and taking care of the kids? How did you make the whole working of the church work by serving in the nursery with the kindergartners? That's blessed to be a blessing conversations to really broaden my kids' minds about their role in the kingdom of God. Yeah, another thing, and this is again just a little cheat sheet thing from the from the resources, but we really do encourage you as parents to to open the Bibles to your kids, read very short sections, and and resist the inclination to tell them what it means. And so, you know, we we've got one of the activities written in is to read through some some passage of Psalm one thirty nine. You're fearfully, wonderfully made, knit together in your mother's womb. Just read it a couple of times slowly, and then. Ask your kids as you've read through it, what did you hear? What do you think those verses are meant to say to us? Even say a prayer before you do it. Lord, we know you've given us your Holy Spirit to help us understand things. Uh, We're going to read a thing right now. And Lord, I pray that you give my kids ears to hear what you uniquely have for them in this. And then just read it. And, and, you know, kids love kind of a short, read it fast, trivia question, like, okay, what's the right answer? And, you know, we, we might do some of that with that same passage. But, but to just coach our children by creating this experience that invites them into listening for the still small voice of God's spirit in their own lives. Such a powerful and important thing. You know, A, are we doing that? Are we able to talk about it? in ways that, you know, short ways that we can just help our kids understand our process. And then are we setting up these sorts of experiences for our kids? Not just the forced daily Bible reading, but, you know, I used to do a thing at home with the kids where I'd just read a passage as fast as I could. And I'd say, I'm going to read it as fast as I could. And then I'm going to ask four trivia questions. And then we'd finish the game and they were all excited. And I closed the book and I said, do it again. It's like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, that, that game lasted a while and then it got old and they didn't want to do it anymore. But, you know, if, if they would say, do it again to a Bible reading, I think they just got coached to value God's word a little bit. 
And I think as you're reading the Bible, I was reflecting back to when you were talking about just reading it through more thoughtfully, you can set kids up with markers and paper and ask them to draw what God brings to mind while they're listening, because that helps them to stay focused. It helps the kids that are less verbal, maybe more right brain kiddos to have an outlet to express what the Lord is teaching them in that reading. You're stealing from the curriculum. (laughs) (laughs) I remember also talking about that in our episode on prayer and that that was an option Mm. that we talked about there. We'll link to that in the show notes too. We have one last layer of the framework before we close our podcast today. And that's correct. We dove into that a little bit in the reconciliation part when we were talking about that with our kids. How do we help our kids understand correct? Yeah. When I coach parents, I talk about the value of putting reconciliation on a pedestal and talking about God's good gift of reconciliation and talking about the blessing of Holy Spirit conviction because it Mm -hmm. protects our our most important relationships and modeling that. And it's really fun to get stories from coaching clients. I had one super authentic mom recently share about our, my husband and I realized that our relationship that we're modeling is full of conflict right now. And, and we're not being real safe and loving with each other. And they confess that to their kids, which is such a wonderful, humble thing to do that elevates. This is how we want it to be. We really want to value heartfelt, mm-hmm. respectful reconciliation. And I encouraged them to celebrate that when they then do that in front of the kids. So all of that can feed a value of reconciliation, which is your starting place. Because it's if you just try to impose it without kids valuing it, then you have to work hard to manage the behavior and you and you don't teach them what true reconciliation is all about. Yep. I mean, reconciliation to a six-year-old, what does that mean exactly? And so, you know, the notion that things are broken, name name a thing, take a pen out of the drawer, you know, whatever it might be. Right now this works. Why does it work? Well, I don't know. Well, what happens if I take the thing out and put the spring over here and, you know, put the thing that writes over here? Does it work anymore? No, it doesn't work. What What, what do we have to do in order for the pen to work? Well, we have to fix it. Oh, yeah, let's fix it. And now what? It's working the way that it's intended to work, isn't it? Well, that's like us. As people, when we sin against God, when we sin against other people, we break down a little bit. And and if if the pen describes, you know, the cool connection and the relationship you have with your brother, um, and something's wrong in your relationship with your brother, it's kind of like this broken pen all over the place. What needs to happen? Well, just like we need to we need to put the pen back together if we sin, so that what? So that we can function the way God created us to in relationship with Him to be a blessing in the world. That means we need to confess our sin. And, you know, there's a, there's a lesson of salvation in there. Um, and then in relationships, we put it together. Well, that's an example of, of God's way. And so, yeah, making things right when they're broken is important around here, isn't it? And then we can invite kids into the conversation. Like, well, when was the time when relationship or when you felt broken? When was the time you felt broken and didn't, weren't, things weren't right with you and needed to be made right? and invite the conversation and see if there's anything. And if it's too lofty, they might just say, I don't know. And and if we can think of an example, we can say, well, how about the time that? And then, oh, yeah, yeah. How about in relationships? So if I'm 
over here blessing some people. And then I go over here to the grocery store and I see something I want and I know mom won't let me get it. So I quickly grab it and put it in my pocket and walk out of the store. Am I put together now or am I broken? Oh, you're broken. Oh, I'm broken. Oh, you're, you're broken. Well, well, then what do you do about that? And, you know, we, we can take the kids right to the Bible. If we confess our sin, what does the Bible say? If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? That's how that works, buddy. And we can be proactive about it. You know, bottom line is, is if things are broken between the people that our little ones are watching and they just watch us maintain broken brokenness as evidence, maybe by mean-spirited things we say about somebody else or, or unrepentant heart. Uh, towards something that happened or, you know, any kind of an attitude toward other people. If they watch that, if they demonstrate that, oh, that guy at work today was such a jerk to me. I mean, they hear, they hear us say stuff like that. Well, that's, they don't, they wouldn't have language for this, but they would know something needs fixing here. And it doesn't seem like dad's doing his work to fix it. So I guess that's okay. Are we aware of that? Do, are we conscious of that? What, what are our kids looking at? And if they had words for it, they would say that needs to get fixed. And are we talking our process through with them? Are we going to the Lord? Are we confessing our sins? Are we reconciling in relationships? If those relationships are irreconcilable, then are we maintaining an honoring posture, recognizing that we we can control whether we walk by the means of the Holy Spirit within us or not? We can't control whether the other people do, so we're going to do our part. Talk about that with our kids. So, so many different ways that we can talk about this idea of the fact that there's something in our life that needs to get fixed and and let's value putting it back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well said. Well, everybody, we've just touched on this free download that will help you walk through the framework with your children and teach them why the framework is so important to the way that we think, the way that we work with our kids, and really the way that we live. And so with that download, it's in our show notes. Jim and Lynn, thanks so much for being with me again on the podcast today. Always fun. Thank you, Stacy. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. We are a listener-supported organization. Over 40,000 parents like you listen to this podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time. 